It's that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts. Come on, quit stalling! All right, everybody, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. It has been a bit. A bit. It looks. I looked back on our. Um, release schedule and i think it's been about a month and a half since uh me and my buddy chris craig got to talk but he's been globetrotting all over the world that's why we couldn't do anything and then he's going to all these concerts so how goes it mr world traveler it's good man i've been out enjoying enjoying music um feels uh like life is a bit back to normal for the moment anyway how about you man i've got like this like desert of time here where i don't have any shows i mean i've got some big ones coming up but they're months off and then there were like three shows in new orleans i wanted to go to and i just could not make it work with work so uh who were you trying to see in new orleans uh i was wanting to go see my morning jacket on halloween mm-hmm. uh, but i couldn't i mean i could go but i would have to get up at like four in the morning and drive back you know for work which just that's not Usually, when you go to New Orleans, getting up at four in the morning is not optimal thing to do. Uh, and then I tried to go see uh, Blackberry Smoke and the North Mississippi All Stars in New Orleans. They were playing two nights, and I couldn't do it because of work. So I'm kind of like looking around for something. I got tickets to see Jerry Cantrell in April, which I'm actually really, really, really excited about. Uh-huh. Um, at that Fillmore, have you been to a show at the Fillmore in New Orleans? I haven't. All right, so I mean you're kind of like me. You like going to these cool places for shows. Like some of my favorite places are the Fox theater in Atlanta, the tabernacle in Atlanta. Um, I enjoy going to a show at mud Island. I think it's a cool, you know, a cool, it is a, a good one. A cool underutilized, but the Fillmore you're familiar with the Fillmore in San Francisco, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's modeled after that. And they built it basically into the Harris casino in new Orleans. And it has, the most convenient bar space I've ever seen. And it's state of the art, like Foo Fighters opened it up. Um, and so uh, I went to see Stone Temple Pilots and Rival Sons there. So anyway, I'm going to see Jerry Cantrell and then man, we're going to put the old, uh, Huddy endurance to the, to the test. He's going to see the drive by truckers four nights in a row in Athens, uh, which is going to be wow. cool. Cause I'm going to get to go see like the, the house where REM started. 
you know, all the REM stuff, all the widespread panic stuff. Oh, you mean that church? That yeah. church where they played? Yeah, and, and like... to the the uh, uh, what's it called? It starts with a W. The uh, record store, um, Wextree. Yeah, yeah, you can go. You can go there too. So my buddy Dave Chamberlain, he works for uh, Nucci Space, which is a suicide prevention charity there in Athens, and all the money that the drive-by truckers raise during that four-night stretch goes to uh, goes to them. So anyway, he's like, I'm gonna get, give you the the big time tour. We'll go see where the train tracks where the back of murmur was um, photographed and stuff like that. So, so I hear they're tearing that down. I hope not by January the 12th. Yeah. I hear they're tearing that down. I, um, yeah. Uh, if true, I might, then yes, I hope they'll, they'll hold off till you get to see it. Have you ever been to Athens? I have not. I haven't either, which is kind of, kind of odd, but, um, yeah. So I've got that going and I'm sure some stuff will pop up around here for me to go see, but you went and saw, uh, you flew all the way to Las Vegas, man, just to see Billy Idol. Well, that was a, let's, let's be, I guess let's be honest. It was yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. It was an opportunity to go see Billy Idol and have a trip as well. You know, it, it's a be different if I flew all the way to Boise, Idaho, you know, no offense to people in Boise. I've never Boise. I've never been there, but I, I doubt it's the uh, center of the universe. And um, so, yeah, it was a chance to go to Las Vegas and see Billy Idol. I'd never seen him. And uh, yeah, he's doing the the uh, residency. I think he wrapped it up last night. It was just over two weekends, but that was the first time seeing him, and it was really really cool. You know, all the all the hits. He he did them all. At this point, he doesn't make a lot of new music. He put out that EP about a month ago. Uh, has four new songs on it. He plays two of those, but those songs are good. I mean, it just sounds like adult, mature Billy Idol. And Steve Stevens had two solos, one of which was the Top Gun theme. And a lot of people listening probably do not know this, because I didn't even know until, surprisingly, not that long ago that that theme... Didn't I tell you about that? You might have. Mm -hmm. But Steve Stevens wrote and recorded that, so it was cool to see him play there. And it it was a it was a nice theater. Um, Where was at, it? it? The Cosmopolitan. I never heard of that one. It's um, it's on the same side as as a uh, Bellagio, and if you are headed toward the airport it's uh because i don't know which way is this east south north i, I don't know the airport uh, southeast of the strip okay because it, it's uh, it's um then it's southeast of bellagio let's put it that way it's it's south of bellagio by there may be one or two casinos in between it may not be any but they're they're very very close it was it was very close walking distance um great show great bucket list show and then Friday, so it's funny. I got, I got back in town Tuesday, close to midnight. Went to work for two days, and then Friday I was off again. And my buddy and I drove to Atlanta, and we went to Atlanta to show or the, the one of the theaters you mentioned, the Tabernacle, which I agree is one of the great great venues in in this country, and. I saw the uh, double bill of Alkaline Trio and Bad Religion. And, you know, leading up to this show, it was, they were only a few shows in when in 
I think it was in Austin, Matt Skiba of Alkaline Trio, on, on this, I think it's his fourth song, completely lost his voice. And Dan had to sing some of his songs. Because, um, yeah, if, if you're not familiar with the band, there's there's a co-vocalist. Uh, Skiba probably does 60, 65% of the songs. So they they made it through, and then he canceled the next night in Dallas. And so I thought, oh, crap. And no word Thursday. And then Friday still hadn't heard anything. And so I told my buddy, I said, I really believe they're going to give it a go. If they haven't announced anything yet, he just tried to take those two days and get better. And uh, we get in there, we see their banner, and then I looked on uh, looked on Instagram, and uh, they had posted, we're back. And uh, they came out, great set. Been a fan of that band for many, many time, year, many years. It's my second time to see them. And it was a really good show. Good, Very good song selection, very career-spanning. Uh, played stuff off the first record, uh, went all the way from the first to the newest, and and then comes Bad Religion. I knew a few Bad Religion songs. I've listened to s- several of their albums, never owned any. And uh, my buddy, I was there for Alkaline Trio and thought, oh, it'd be cool to see Bad Religion. My buddy was there for Bad Religion, thought it'd be cool to see Alkaline Trio. Bad Religion comes out and... Uh, well, let's just say I am a bad religion fan now. Those guys were one of the better live bands prob- that I've probably ever seen. Um, just in the energy that that band has, and the crowd got so into it. Uh, if you get a, if you get a chance, if you're like me, you're not never considered yourself a fan, and they roll through your town, go. <laughs> uh, you won't be disappointed. I mean, that was live music at its best. Um, How crowded that, was it? The floor was packed. And, you know, they had the second balcony and the third one. There's barely anything on it. Well, the second balcony was maybe halfway full. Maybe. That's where we were. So, based on that, I'm going to say 85% capacity, probably. You know, Bad Religion is such a... Is such a, a Leg like a loyal fan base, been around for so many years. I got to believe there's still just fear out of people not going to shows. That's my opinion because I think that would ordinarily sell out, and I was surprised that it didn't. But it was nice because it was packed enough to where they had a really good crowd to get into it, and the floor looked so packed. But it wasn't so packed to where when you wanted to go walk to go to the go to the restroom if you want to go get a drink you didn't wait in lines it was it would have been david hudson approved i can tell you that man i have never been to a show there that it was just i saw oasis there in 2002 you can just imagine you told me about that one like you couldn't move like you you once me and my friend emily once we got to where we are that's that's where where you're going to be i've seen the crows there obviously you know, it's, that's their hometown. I've seen them there twice, and like you could not, you just couldn't move on it. I tried going up top, you couldn't move. Um, but that is such a cool place. It's right downtown. It's right by Centennial Park. There's plenty of hotels around it. Um, that, that's cool. a good point. The, the hotels. I got a. What did I get? Um, Hampton Inn and Suites. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think. 
I think they said, I think it says 0.2 miles from the venue. It does not feel like that. It, like we wanted, uh, put it this way. I walked back before getting in the line. We were going to the, to get in line and it, they hadn't really started moving yet. So I went back to the hotel to go use the restroom and come back. That's how close it was. Yeah. So if you ever would go to the Tabernacle, I mean, there may be one even closer, but that is a close one. It was a very fair price. But you're right about how it can get so crowded because my only other two times there were both for social distortion. And, yeah, they were pretty packed. I mean, yeah. it was it was, it was was slam solid. The I remember the bar would be all the way to the back wall. We were on that balcony, mm-hmm. uh, the second floor, I should say. But uh, this one, where we were with the seating, there was a, or we sat, we're uh, on the, on the first, that first balcony and they had this little bar that was almost right directly behind us. And anytime I wanted to go to get a beer, I didn't even have anybody in front of me yeah. telling you it, this was a perfect like dream scenario, but uh man, that was a fun night. Yeah. When I've been, you got a double, triple and sometimes quadruple fist it with the beers because yeah, you're, you're, you're not, you're not getting back buddy. Yeah. And then you're going to break that bladder. You're going to have uh, to do bladder training um it was um i went to see the black keys a month ago in a place that holds 700 people and uh you've been you've been to the lyric for you know and so we'll go there Uh so we were like 10th and 10th or 12th in line and because they're they recorded it they're making a documentary about this performance a bunch of cool stuff so we go immediately and get up against the rail um which was cool well we obviously got there in there, had to get in there like an hour and a half before the show started because everybody came early. Chris, like it was the opening band came on and you couldn't move. Like it was because I guess everybody was trying to get a good spot, you know? Well, I'll tell you another one too, though. Did, did they check for a COVID test or, or a, uh, for vaccine or COVID test? All right. This is going to, this is even going to be wild. So you had to have a, you know, a, a va- show your proof of vaccination, but they had COVID dogs and you lined up against the wall with your left hand down. And it was called the canine bio detection service. And supposedly these dogs have a 96% success rate of, of being able to tell if you have COVID or not. So, so funny this, I thought it was all a joke because they, t- they'd been posting about it online. And I'm like, Oh, this is just a ha ha funny thing. And this guy walks up and he says, hey, what we're going to do is you're going to stand here in groups of six. He's going to come sniff your left hand. Don't pet him. Don't do anything. Just let him sniff. And so this German shepherd just comes to sniff the guy in front of me, leans over to the guy and goes, hey, man, like he's just smelling for COVID, right? He ain't smelling for anything else. And he said, no, man, he's not. But yeah, so that took a while. But they, um, you know, I'm just kind of like a casual fan of theirs. And I didn't realize a band with only two real members in it could bring that much energy to a performance. It was rocking, and they were so geeked out to be there. At one point, Dan Auerbach was like, "Thank you for coming out, but um, we this is this is a big deal for us to get to play here." And why? Well, so you know, they started on Fat Possum Records, which you know is out of Oxford, yeah. and the thing that got them into music is Hill Country Blues. So obviously, that's where all those guys are from, and so they recorded an entire album of Hill Country Blues covers last summer and released it and playing on it is basically junior Kimbrough and RL Burnside's backing band with them. And so they are only playing three dates all year. And one of them was in Oxford. And when we got there, you saw like they, 
that's the thing saying this is going to be filmed. And it was a huge setup. I I had to go to the bathroom and couldn't get back up to the rail. So I wound up standing behind the director. But yeah, they're doing a documentary on it. And um, it was just awesome. It was fun, man. Like you could go and like not know any of their music and just have fun. But man, it was one of those things like I basically had to stand up and get to the, at the back of the place after, you know, went to the bathroom and saw them. I went and saw the Black Crows in, in Birmingham and, uh, that was fun. Uh, big, loud rock show. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really good crowd there. They're done with their tour right now. So we'll see what they're going to do. But other than that, that's about all I've been up to. Yeah. I don't have anything really, uh, other than small shows. Um, a band that that I recently discovered that they're they're almost like I've heard that kind of elements of that grunge type sound is coming back a bit. And there's a band that I, I discovered it just through you know when you're listening to something on Apple Music and it ends and then they'll start something else similar. That's how I discovered this band. They're called Narrowhead, and um, it's really really good stuff though. It's uh it's got like it's just the the noisy grungy type sound. They're playing here, I believe in November. Um, Dirty Streets, you know, the local Memphis band. Mm-hmm. They're going to be playing Hernando's Hideaway. Um, give or take. It's a Saturday. Give or take November 15th, whatever the day is. I want to say it's the 13th. But uh, I'll go see that. Uh, you know, those guys are really, really good. But, no, I don't really have anything else. Um, only other thing I would add is just, uh, just uh, new music. I don't know if you've got anything new you've been listening to, but... I've only listened a handful of times, but the uh, the new Dave Hawes came out came out Friday. It's uh, it's called Blood Harmony, and Dave Hawes, if if you're not familiar with him, he started in a, a punk band called The Loved Ones, and they were in the vein of um, of the Gaslight Anthem. I would say that they were they were punk, but not like anything hardcore. And when he went solo. His records have been, it's almost like a Brian Fallon, how records have been progressively getting less punk. And this is just a, it's really a, a, an Americana album. He has Gary Talent of Springsteen playing on bass, a bunch of guys who have either recorded on or been backing members of you know, big time Americana artists. And it's really, really good. Um, so I, I would, I would check that album out. Uh, it, it's a, uh, it's funny, I'd say, as much as I love Brian Fallon and the Gaslight Anthem and, and everything he does, it almost feels like Dave Hawes is... God, how can I say this? Sometimes I'm disappointed that Brian Fallon isn't rocking with the Gaslight Anthem. And uh, actually, a lot of times I am. And though I still do miss that with Dave Hawes, I almost feel like the transition has been an easier one for me to accept with him. For whatever that's worth. I think it's made a little bit more sense to me. Uh, Brian Fallon's just not getting 59 sound anymore. Man, that's hard. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. Sure. I mean, I just don't understand. If there's not any hard feelings, I don't understand not getting back together. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can think of. Now, you, you do know that he was married to um, Alex Levine, the, the bassist's sister, right? Mm-mm. He was married and get hurt is that that... That's if I'm not mistaken, that record's about her. That's the divorce, but I still don't think they have bad relationships. Like I've got a really good relationship with an ex-brother-in-law. Um, so it still doesn't mean they've had a, they have a bad relationship. Well, I mean, Brian Fallon just seems like a Boy Scout. 
Yeah, so it, it, they probably don't have a bad relationship, but and I, if I'm not mistaken, the guys in Gaslight, they've always wanted to get it going again. But you could sit back and you could say, well, is it for monetary reasons? Because he, but I don't really think it's that because I think the Gaslight Anthem is going to pull in so many more people at a show than Brian Fallon will ever get. I think what it comes down to is Brian Fallon wants to write records like that last one that he did. That's just my opinion. And he can't do that in the Gaslight Anthem. So I think it's a creative choice more than a monetary. Well, once that gospel album of his comes out, we'll have to talk about it. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to hearing it. But I just, yeah, I wish we still had Gaslight Anthem. So, anyway. All right, so this week, uh, this was the toughest preparation I've ever had for a podcast, whether it's this one or State of America or being a guest on one. Um. And what's, what brought this on was there was a uh, record store that opened here, and I was the first customer they ever had. I was the first one in line. And they put out the reissue of R.E.M.'s New Adventures in Hi-Fi by accident. The album doesn't come out to next week. And this was a month ago. And so I bought it. Chris and I have always been fans of it and championed that, that album. And we have some friends of ours that don't know anything past, you know, Automatic for the People that are big R.E.M. fans that we like to rag those people about that but so i was just sitting in here listening to it and i was like man there's really not a bad song on this album so then i got to thinking about what if we did a top 10 rem songs and i'm like that's completely it's impossible there's just no way to do it so i was like what if we do top 15 i'm like that's impossible well i'm like we can't do a top 50 so let's stop (laughs) it at top 20 but like my first cut still would have been difficult a top 50 yeah yeah so um Anyway, so what we're going to do is, is talk about our favorite R.E.M. songs. We're not going to rank them or anything like that. We're just going to spend a few minutes talking about each one. And surprisingly, this is probably the most carryover Chris and I have ever had on a list um, that, that we've ever done. And, and Chris didn't hate my list for the first time ever. I thought it was a really good list. It was uh, There was there's some that, that you had on yours that were uh, very, very difficult cuts for mine that I cut, and late cuts. And there's some that were never con- considered, but when you when I saw them, thought, well, I can't, I can't disagree with that one. That's a great song. So I think what we'll do is I'll do five, you do five, and we'll just swap back and forth. How's that sound? That'll work. All right, I'll, I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to start us off with my favorite REM song, and that's Driver Eight off Fables of the Reconstruction. Um, this contain this song contains my favorite vocal from Michael Stipe and it's when they the breakdown in between the verse and the the chorus when he says a way to shield the the hated heat a way to put myself to sleep a way to shield the hated heat a way to put myself my children to sleep the way he sings that that is my favorite thing to hear him sing it doesn't even matter what the words are it's the way he it's the way he sings it um so this this is an interesting song because on face value I, I did some research on all these it's about the Southern Crescent, which was a passenger train operated by the Southern Railroad until 1979. And um, in the in the music video, it shows Chessie System trains running around Clinton Forge, Virginia, which is a train line around there. Um, and get, uh, Peter Buck admitted in his liner notes that the verse chords for the song are essentially imitation for life. They list, lifted imitation from life from, from Driver 8. Uh, but... 
it the, the song has a deeper meaning. It's it's about kind of like a person that's living in a world they don't really like and they're trying to get out of it. And the the train is just kind of a metaphor for getting out. And driver eight is just supposed to be you know how much hard heart and will you're putting into getting out of a system uh, out of out of a, a place that you don't like to be and it's you know a way to shield the hated heat and obviously uh you know he grew up in the south as a gay man in in the 70s and which was not probably not the easiest thing to do and so um i'm pretty sure those lyrics have something to do with that the second one uh my second song is harbor coat off reckoning now you and I are about the same age, and when I first heard R.E.M., it was probably Stand, and then I started recognizing the radio, uh, you know, songs from uh, The One I Love and Into the World off Document, but I had heard those, but just didn't know that was R.E.M., and so I was kind of a fan of, of them kind of going forward, and, and was really young, couldn't really appreciate or like the older stuff, and when I started getting to into vintage R.E.M., this was the first song that um that hooked me in and it's the opening track off reckoning which is a lot of people's favorite rem album um and so uh, there's a lot of discussion about the meaning of the song to some degree i you know i agree that it's at least part could be about a post-nuclear war planet um but rem at this time honestly were the kings of giving the listeners a ball of clay here you go make out of it what you want so a lot of times their, their lyrics don't exactly mean anything on those first albums but I love the uh, slightly delayed backing vocals during the course. Mike Mills is, you're going to hear his name a lot. Uh, but according to Stipe, it's the telling of Nazi Germany through a Jewish person's point of view. So uh, he said it's kind of a retelling of Anne Frank. But again, one of my favorite early tunes of theirs. The next one song is off of Reckoning. And that's Time After Time. There's something just hauntingly beautiful about this song to me. Um, the The chord structures the um the way they're sequenced it, it just has a unique feel to it with the acoustic guitars and almost kind of like a middle eastern arrangement and then mike michael stipe's vocals kick in uh to me the chorus is very soothing and mike mill's soft harmonies really add a layer of peace to the song there's much debate about the subject of the song one thing i read was it was about them getting drunk and going around town with uh uh, I think who would uh, in the future become Peter Buck's wife or something like that. And there was a incident with a water tower or something, which, you know, they mentioned water tower in mm -hmm. it. All right. My next one is off reckoning and that's don't go back to Rockville. This is originally written by Mike Mills. And to be honest with you, I prefer when Mike Mills sings it in concert uh, and Michael Stipe just provides some backing vocals. Uh, this one's pretty straightforward. It's about uh, a girl he met and really liked her, but she decided to leave and go back to college. Um, and a, a real fun song live. Like I said, every time I've seen it played live, Mike Mills has sang it, and usually he's got his you know, cowboy hat on. Let's see, that's one, two, three, four. And then number five is South Central Rain. Just a really catchy song from the Reckoning album. Um, in my opinion, it's a song about a person with regret. Or you know, or their lack of effort put into a relationship and the guilt that followed, just a beautiful, touching song and uh, a real staple of their live set early on, and uh, another great one off Reckoning. Well, so with what you named, if I go through these, um, I'll, I'll start with two of them that I have on my list as I review yours. I, I uh, 
I have Driver 8. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the best ones. I, I, I didn't do, like, the, the homework that you did. I, I, when I, there's stuff that I can share, I will. Um, it's just more personal meanings to me. And when I think about Driver 8 is, this was, um, I was late to REM. Not, not as late as you, but I was late. And I was going to, uh, I went to go see their concert when they came in for um, that Monster Tour. I was, I, I was there. Yeah, I was in high school. I was still in high school. I went to that show. I had the Monster album. I had um, Eponymous. And I had um, Automatic for the People. It might have been it. And I mean, after the show, I ended up buying. Um, I ended up buying soon after the show. I bought um, Life's Rich Pageant. So, Eponymous was the record that I really listened to when I was first starting to get into them because it was career spanning, and several of the songs you listed come are on that. Um, Driver Eight is one of them, and that was definitely one of my favorites at the time when I was first getting into them, and it remains that way to this day. And you also picked Don't Go Back to Rockville. And that is, that one's prop. that's on my list. And that one's probably, I don't see how I wouldn't, honestly, both of those songs would make, we were doing a top 20, they both would make top 10. And they might make, they probably could compete for top five. And um, yeah, your other picks, uh, I did love the the one that I really liked was uh, Harbor Coke. Because that was, I mean, that was a was a random one, but um, yeah, fans know it. I thought I, that's a great selection. So I will stay since I did start with eponymous. Let's just stay with that. So since I've mentioned two of mine, I'll go with um, number three and four are both going to come from that album, and that's um, guarding at guarding gardening at night and ready for Europe. I'm doing those two together. And the reason why I'm doing that is because they're for people that may not, that you may be a casual Aryan fan and don't, don't own, own all their recordings. Radio free Europe was on murmur and gardening at night was on chronic town, which is a five song EP they did before murmur came out. And this, the eponymous version, they're sped up. And I just like the sounds of them way way better both of them uh, if if i had to go with the chronic town version or the murmur version for these songs i don't know that they make my top 20 uh, they might but definitely guarding at night i think definitely would not make it if it just came from the chronic town version so that gives me four on mine and since you gave a, a uh a ballad from an early record. I'll do a ballad from an early record. I'm going to go with uh, Perfect Circle off Murmur. Great, great ballad. One of my favorites. And this was one of those ones as I'm making my list that I kind of surprised myself that I had it that high. Uh, I've always liked the song, but as we're trying to do this process of elimination, I'm sure you did the same thing. You made this long list. And as you listen to it, I'm like, well, I can't delete this one. You go to another one and say, well, well, not really married to this one and you delete it and perfect circle just kept making the cut and i think it's a great one and that that's a that's a uh, since i know you've done more homework and all that is a bill berry pen tune right i believe so 
yeah. So that's a that's a great one. And then um, let's see where will I go next. I'll go to I'll go to back to Chronic Town with um, Carnival Sorts. Well, technically, I guess Carnival Sorts box cars. I don't have a clue what this song's about. They don't either. <laughs> I'm not gonna pretend. In those early early recordings, um, good luck trying to figure out anything that uh that a Stipe is, is singing. But I had probably three songs off of the five tracks of uh, Chronic Town that were that made it very far into my list. Uh, that were they were pretty late cuts. But this was one that uh, that survived. Uh, I love this tune. I agree with you on gardening, gardening at night, and radio for Europe. The eponymous verse it just hits harder. Um, it's 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 not kind of everything's not at the same level as it is on the original recordings. Carnival, um, I mean, gosh, what's it called? Um, Carnival, Carnival of sorts. sorts. Yeah, that's one of those songs. They they you know there at the beginning they had a way of naming songs. Wolves lower. South Central Rain, but it's S.O. period. Um, a Perfect Circle is a good song. You're right. It was written by Bill Berry. Um, Carnival of Sorts, I'm honestly not the biggest fan of, but I understand why a lot of people that are hardcores are, especially if you got in, got in with them from the beginning. You know, um, Yeah, those are, those are definitely good picks. I mean, I can't really argue with any of them. Um, I'll start my next round off with Begin to Begin. This is possibly my favorite opening riff on an R.E.M. song. Um, and obviously they like it because they only played four songs at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and this is the first song that they played. Um, I've always thought it was about kind of about how technology has progressed, but really it hasn't helped the human condition, and we're all still kind of kind of screwed, i.e. social media. <laughs> um, but uh, Life's Rich Pageant, there's not really a bad song on that album. And, and to me, it's... It's one of their it's one of their two or three most complete albums. It's probably if I had to go through each album and, and the percentage of songs that I really really like, it's probably one or two for me. It's my favorite REM album. I can say yeah. that. Yeah, it's 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 one if 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 somebody was just a casual fan and wanted to get it on albums of theirs before they got real big, this is the one I would recommend to them for trying. Um, it's fairly accessible. All right, so. Off the same album, Swan Swan H. Man, how can you not like this song and the acoustic guitars on it? Um, golly, this this song is just absolutely beautiful. I love it when REM gets down to the bare essentials with acoustic guitars and mandolins with Michael Stipe's vocals. Uh, to me, that's when they just in a sweet spot. Um, I mean, it's kind of the song's got to kind of be about post Civil War South. I mean, Johnny Reb's mentioned several times. So I've read in, read into some more of that, and a lot of people think that's kind of what it what it is about. That one of the other ones, the next one, <coughs> off document, into the world as we know it. It's one of the most frantic songs you're ever going to hear. Uh, to me, it's their version of "We Didn't Start the Fire." Uh, just just does not stop. Um, total stream of conscious song. Um, I think it's also one of their best. Uh, it's I have in here, it is completely unique in the same way We Didn't Start the Fire is. So, um, and that was, I know you were on um, Steve Wright's Potter Than the Hell podcast, and that was a song that, that you talked about on there. 
And after that, we're going to go to what I think is possibly their best ballad, and that's You Are the Everything off of Green. Another just absolutely beautiful song. I love the way the vocals are with Stipe singing it and Mike Mills singing backing vocals with a harmony behind it. I love the mandolin. I love it when they bring the mandolin in. Just a nice, touching, acoustic number that um, sadly, I think after that tour, got taken off all the set list. And then my last one is Turn You Inside Out. Uh, This is probably the heaviest song they had recorded sonically up to that point. Uh, It's kind of about Michael Stipe playing with the emotions of a crowd. He can have your heart in the palm on their hand. (coughs) Very cool opening riff with the guitar and the drums. Um, A standout track on um, Green that I wish got played a lot more, and I don't think it gets the uh, recognition it deserves. You know, that's one, Turn You Inside Out, I, I think you're right as far as probably the hev- like the heaviest one they've done. It it would, it lacks some of the, the fuzziness of Monster, but it could have fit on Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Begin to Begin, and that one, if we were doing a top 25, it would be there. Because I remember that was one of my absolute last cuts, and it pained me to mm. cut that one. Um did it hurt your Miles Standish pride? It, it did. It did. Um, so you did It's the End of the World as We Know It, mm-hmm. and I Feel Fine off Document. That made my list. Of course it made my list. Um, what can I say that, that hasn't been said? I mean, it was really the probably the song that I truly fell in love with with them first. Uh, I did the R.E.M., that called the REM hour on rebel radio where David and I went to college at Ole Miss did that on Sunday nights for about a semester, I guess, maybe, maybe a little longer. And every single time I did the show, I ended it with that song, no matter what. And I don't know how, when they would do those in later years, how he could remember those lyrics. Um, it, and like you said, very frantic and it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing song, and I never get tired of it. It's probably one of my favorite songs, one of my absolute favorite songs. Period. Uh, you did, you are wait, you did you are the everything, correct? Yeah. Did you cover that one yet? Mm-hmm. I thought you did. Okay. Yes, you said beautiful ballad, and I agree. One of their best, one of their best ballads. So I have both of those on my list. I'm using these on my phone, so I'm marking them, making sure I don't forget. Um, so. Going to my next ones, I'm going to, because you talked about, oh, before I forget, you mentioned Swan Swan H, another extremely difficult cut, extremely difficult. Uh, That's such a cool song. Um, I wanted to have that on my list, but it didn't make it, but I do have, since I got two of mine that were on your list, I got three more to pick, and just so happens that I have three additional songs to cover that are off my favorite uh, album we talked about, Life's Rich Pageant. First, I've got another one of the first songs I fell in love with of theirs because it was on Eponymous, and that's Fall On Me. And Fall On Me is one of their classic, classic tunes. You know, I, I would say, as far, especially in the, the first half of their career, one of their more known songs. And... Some of I Mike Mills' think, best backing vocals on that, too. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great great song 
then I have Cuyahoga. And that's one that has always been one of my favorites. So, I mean, I could pick, I really could pick almost every sing on, single song on this album. And the last one that I picked, and it's from that album, is I feel like maybe one of the more underrated REM songs. And that's the, the, the Flowers of Guatemala. Uh, I think it's a really pretty song. And um, it's just, just a perfect REM song to me. There's, I mean, there's really not a bad song on Life's Rich Pageant. There's not. And uh, I, I came close to putting Superman on there, even though it's technically a cover. That's a great, that's a great song to close it, it out. Was very last cut, I mean, very late cut for me too. Both Superman and Begin to Bend, Begin were super late cuts, so I, I very easily could have had on twenty song or twenty so twenty song list. I easily could have had five off of one album. I feel like on Life's Rich Pageant. So obviously, Murmur kind of suffered from they didn't have a lot of money when they made it and it and cam i'm not camera (laughs) reckoning was a little more straightforward and then you had fables which was a completely different sound of theirs and life's rich pageant to me is kind of like the perfect sound for them uh, on on all the songs well yeah and and we've all heard that rem we've all heard that they hated pretty much fables of the reconstruction it almost broke them up we've always heard that story they don't know how true that is but you're right it was a departure and i think they wanted to get back to basics with um with fleischer's pageant i think they made probably their most cohesive piece of work at least to that point and um you're right it's like it's like they went ahead and did their experimental they came they bring it back in and just put out an absolute masterpiece all right, so the next song I've got is Off of Green also. It's Orange Crush. And you know a band is awesome when they can make a happy-sounding pop song about a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> is this your favorite Agent Orange song? My favorite what? It's song about Agent Orange. I'm not. I don't know. No, this is my favorite song about Agent Orange. Oh, I thought you said, is this your... Okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So everybody thinks it's just this fun, kind of happy song about, you know soda and it's about agent orange which was you know used in vietnam another heavier song for them and uh, i know a, a lot of diehards kind of don't like the mix of songs on the way stuff was recorded on green i think it all sounds great and and this was a, a single for them and uh really it really is a fun one but um be careful about the lyrics because it's not as happy as you think all right, the next one is the one that made turned them into one of the biggest bands in the world. There's just no way I could do this without having losing my religion on it, just for anything other reason than just the impact it had on the band. Um, supposedly, that's a Southern saying about somebody kind of like losing their temper and losing their cool. I've lived my whole life in the South, and I've never heard that expression. Have you? No, but I've heard losing my religion is about a crush, crushing on someone. Interesting. It's interesting because... <clears throat> A lot of these songs, I tried to do some research on them. Michael Stipe will say one thing about them, and 10 years later, he'll say something else. Uh, so take that for for what you will. My, as my wife always said, it's the Brendan Dillon breakup song. Uh, <laughs> she did not know that we were first started dating. It came on, and I was singing the lyrics, and she's like, oh, that's the Brendan Dillon breakup song. And I'm like, what? It's losing my religion. All right, so the next one is off of the same album, Half the World Away. Now, I had a real hard time because the back end of that album is about as strong as any album you're ever going to hear. Texarkana. 
country feedback, um, me and honey, but half the world away is just another sweet, beautiful, tender acoustic ballad that they've done. And, uh, I, I just basically almost threw a dart at that because I was like, I've got to have something off that, that last side of out of time because it's, that may be one of the most impressive song streaks they have in their catalog. But I went with Half the World Away because I, I, I've just always loved it. All right, number four. Probably their best ballad, Night Swimming. Now, this is on the piano. This is kind of the first time they really bring the piano in. Um, my, from my understanding, the song is kind of about a time before they got famous and they would all go out at night and in the night, everybody just kind of going skinny dipping uh, in a lake. It, and the song is just kind of taking you back to that innocent time. Such a beautiful tune. Um, I think the band, I know Michael Stipe really likes playing it. Every time I've seen them, which is a couple of times they've played it, they all kind of gather around the piano. A beautiful, beautiful track on Automatic for the People, which is a very unrem album. Because I, from what I understand, they, they started out, they were like, we're going to write a rock album. But for whatever reason, this came out being basically all acoustic songs. And then the last one of that group is another ballad off of Monster. And it's called Let Me In. And this is about Michael Stipe's relationship with Kurt Cobain. One of the things that I think makes this song so unique is, if I if I get this wrong, don't make too much fun of me, but it's basically beautiful lyrics set over shoegaze music because the guitar is so loud, so distorted, but you have Michael Stipe's vocals on it. It's sung with such conviction. Now, last year, they remixed, not remastered, remixed Monster and when they remixed it, they brought the guitars down a little bit and brought his vocals up in it a little bit higher. And it was it's an interesting way to listen to it because you can understand some of the words better. But when you and I saw them on their last tour, they played this. And I was really surprised that they played it. It was one of the highlights of that show for me. And I think this is one, this is one of the more straightforward songs Michael Stipe's ever written. And now that you, you know, I'd always heard it was about Kurt Cobain. But if you go and read the lyrics, it was what could he have done to try to convince Kurt Cobain not to kill himself? Yeah, that's a really when you you were the one that told me that about that song. This, I mean, you told me this a few years ago, probably longer than that. I think you told me when we were getting ready to see them on that last tour that they did. And uh, which was 13 yeah, years ago, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it makes it. I mean, we make it sound like, oh, well, it's probably pretty recent. No, yeah. a long time ago. But uh, that was it changed the way I heard that song. And I always loved it before. And now I think it makes me love it even more because of that. And it is on my list. And I do love the way the vocals are cut. And that is part of what, like that shoegaze that you're talking about. That is what they do. And it just fits. And that it's, yeah, that, that is an incredible song. So it did make my list. Night Swimming that is also on my list. And that is one that, I can say without question goes into my top 10 of REM songs. Uh, there, there are just, there's a handful of songs on here. When I made this list, we talk about what's how difficult this was and it was, but there's some that, you know, right off they're on it. No question. Uh, nothing's going to take them off. And this is one of those songs for me. Uh, 
I knew I'd put it on there as soon as I started making the list. That song is just so pretty. I love the piano. And you're right. There are so many to pick from on, well, you actually, you're talking about out of time, but I think out of time and automatic for the people, there's so many that you could go to. So those both are on mine. Now I need to take a step back cause I got to finish my, my early era. And I think I may have one others of yours on here too, before I do, you had a uh, half world away, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is on mine as well. Um, so I'm going to knock that off because I definitely put that on there. Another just great, amazing song. That's when you were talking about it gets so difficult to cut off about a time. So what were your what were your other two? Um, Night Swimming, Let Me In, Half the World Away, Losing My Religion, and Orange Crush. Okay. Yeah, and I like Orange Crush and Losing My Religion. Losing My Religion has, it has never been one of my favorites of theirs. And it's not because, oh, it's a hit and it's overplayed. It's not that. It, it just never was one of my favorites, but I do really like the song. So I'm going to go back and we're going to go back to <clears throat> go back to the second record. I want to go back to reckoning because I've been kind of following your flow and it looks like you, you did what I was initially was going to do, which is go from the beginning and go through. So to try to keep up with you, uh, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been able to go quite back. So let me finish that up and I'll go with off of reckoning. I'm going with pretty persuasion. And I was just looking this up about, what it was about and it supposedly they say it's a take on it's anti-consumerism take on it on advertising which does make sense because the, the lyrics it's what i want hurry and buy all has been tried follow reason and buy um that to me is just a great one and that, that was one that they stayed playing on the last tour they played a lot so it, i think that's one that the band is a big fan of i've always loved this one and then the next one is probably one of my more, most of these picks, that's the thing. I, I don't think there's a lot of surprise. Like anybody that's an REM fan is going to listen to this and go, wow, that one came out of well filled. And they may not think that about this next pick, but it probably is my most like out of well filled one. And that's all fables of the reconstruction. I picked life and how to live it. And, um, it's one of my favorites on that album. And I actually really, really like Fables of the Reconstruction. I think it's a really good album. I don't know why they didn't like it. Uh, I think of other albums that, well, of course, when we get in that last half of REM, uh, they really put out some rough stuff. But um, this one, man, there's so many albums that I, that I, that I would pick this one over. But, uh, Anyway, I looked this one up, and it says this song is about, and I don't know who this man is. Dave, Dave maybe you do. This first name is B-R-I-V-S. I don't know how we say that. Brivs or Brivis? I, I don't know. Last name is Mikis, M-E-K-I-S. So that's who this is about. It says, a man who built a wall in his house. He would live on one side for a while, then switch to the other when he got bored. When he died, they found a huge pile of books in his closet, that he wrote and had published. The book was titled Life and How to Live It. And then it has a quote, Peter Buck, on why they chose chose Mechis for a song subject. He said, one of the things Michael was writing about in Fables was the small town character thing. So that was a reflection on who this guy was. It, it fit the storytelling mode of Fables. So I love that one. So I've got, that got me to four of mine then. So I owe you one more, and I'm gonna get. I'll go finish mine off of Out of Time, and that is 
one that you said was sounds like it must have been a tough cut for you, and that's country feedback, which um, I just love the vocal styling of this. I uh, this is another one that would probably make a push for a top ten for me. E- by far, uh, my favorite song on that record, and one of my favorite ones. Sorry, I'm ever. Isn't did. that like a first take, and like they didn't really have any lyrics to it, and he just started singing and talking. I don't know, but if that is the case, that's really cool. I've heard that. But I, I love the way he sounds in that. Um, love, love, love that song. Yeah, that like I said, that back end of Out of Time is hard. That's hard to beat, man. That is, there's, there's no once you get to like Near Wild Heaven, there's no, there's no stinkers on that one. Well, you uh, know, it starts out good too, though. I yeah. mean, even the first track, like radio song, that, that's a good yeah. song. All right, so uh, Life and How to Live It, that's one of the songs I like off Fables. I like uh, Feeling Gravity's Pull off that I think is really good. Obviously, Driver 8. It's probably the closest they're ever going to come to a concept album or that, that they ever did come because they're not getting back together. I, I really don't think that. Uh, those are good picks, man. Those are good picks. All right, yeah, I went in chronological order. What's the frequency, Kenneth? I've got to have this one on here. It was the first time you'd really heard them just do almost a traditional, almost glam style rock song i think it was the lead single off of monster uh i mean everybody knows it's it's not about dan rather but it's based on the fact that a guy attacked dan rather on the street and was attacking he was a schizophrenic guy and kept saying uh kenneth what is the frequency i don't understand or something like that so they got the lyric from um really really unique use of feedback and fuzz i guess by peter buck um you know, I, they're an interesting band in the fact that they're really good with these tender ballads. But when they want to crank it up and turn that amplifier up to ten, they can they can do that too. This is a great version of that, a great example of that. The whole album's basically a rock album. My complaint with Monster is almost all the songs sound the same from a tone standpoint. Uh, sounds like they just found this guitar setting, and Peter Buck's like, "We're gonna let it ride." All right, my next one is off uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi which uh, Chris and I have talked at length about this. I think it's one of their best albums. Uh, you Before we did this, you sent me an article about one of their later albums, and Stipe said that was his favorite album. And then I've got an article where he says New Adventures or High Five was his favorite album and was the band at their peak. So who knows? But exactly. it's a song called Wake Up Bomb. It's an all-out rocker. Um, probably my favorite rocker that they do. I think it's song number two on the album. If you hadn't heard it, go 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 listen to it. If I were trying to get somebody that wasn't that familiar with REM, this is one of the songs I would give to them. It's very, very easy to get into. All right, my next song is a song off that album called Electrolyte. Michael Stipe says favorite song he's ever written. It's essentially about the end of the of the of the millennium, getting ready to go into the year two thousand. He you know, he name checks Mulholland Drive and, and stuff like that. It's a piano based ballad. Uh, it's the last album that Bill Berry played on. I really love the drumming on this one. I think it's probably maybe their best closing song. Uh, is it? I can't remember if it's actually the closing song or not. I get confused. But anyway, one of their most beautiful songs. And then here's my out of left field one. And I never would have even heard of this song if they had not put it on their REM Live album, the one with the red cover. I'm, I can't even remember which album this is off of it's one of the later ones it's called leaving new york the thing that got me into this if you listen to the live version 
there's three people singing vocals at the same time on the course, and they're all three singing something different. And the way they make it work is absolutely beautiful. I don't know how they pulled this off live without getting confused. It's some of my favorite Michael Stipe lyrics. Um, and they, they played this a lot, especially like I was doing some research. Apparently, you know, here they kind of dropped off after Monster with their commercial pull. In Europe, it never it never went away. And if you look at a lot of their set list later on in Europe, it was a ton of new material. So like in, in Europe, Up and Reveal and all that, people liked it as much as the other stuff. So if you look at some of those set lists, they would play a lot of this newer stuff. But this was my out-of-left-field one. But I think it's one of the most beautiful songs. And then their final album, which I think is one of the greatest final albums for a band of all time. One that really gave me a lot of hope that they were that they had their head back in the game. But apparently they, had it, they were ready, ready to leave. And that's It Happened Today. The way the song starts off with kind of the big drum, drum beat in the background with the acoustic guitars and Michael Stipe singing. Uh, the closing vocals where it's kind of a maddening amount of vocals at the end, just kind of kind of humming along. That's Eddie Vedder and Natalie Maines on that. Hmm. But um, this is one of my favorite songs off that album, along with Oh My Heart, Walk It Back, uh, Mine Smell Like Honey, the one that's like Alligator, Aviator, or, or whatever. It's got kind of a crazy name. I was so heartbroken to hear that they had broken up. Because honestly, I loved the last two albums. The album before this was kind of in the same vein as Monster. All the guitars sounded the same, and it was really kind of hard, fast rock songs for the most part. But I thought this was a great balance between the old and the new. It was very upsetting when they when they broke up, and especially that they didn't tour with this album. Because it's some of my some of my honestly those those songs, uh, I had a hard time not putting "Oh My Heart" on there and "Walk It Back." That um, they. I love those. My wife loves that album whenever it comes on. Um, you know, and they went to the University of Georgia, and Georgia does a commercial where it's a guy walking through Georgia, and it's playing the song, Oh My Heart. Like, you know, the campus is what mm-hmm. he loves. Anyway, that's the end of my top 20 in chronological order, and that was a very, very hard 20 to get to. Well, so the the, the song you mentioned, Leaving New York, I, I really like that song a lot, too. And it's the album's Around the Sun. And, um... I always felt like, now don't get me wrong, I don't love that album, but I don't hate it. And that is the one that, if you look at REM fans, a lot of times they bring that up as their worst out. They think it's their worst record. Very often it's their worst record. Probably the most popular choice for worst record. And I don't get it. You know, I don't get it. I think that, hands down, to me, Reveal is their worst album. And that's the one that Stipe, I sent you the article to, Stipe saying is his favorite album. And a lot of people really like Reveal. It's like, man, what's wrong with me? I don't hear it. I I can honestly say with Reveal, it's not that it's, well, it's not that great of an REM album. No, it's just not a good album. It's just me, Peter. I don't think it's a good album, period. I think he's got two really, really good songs on it and a couple that are okay and the rest is pretty bad. Um, So, Give me those last five again. Just uh, read them. Frequency Kenneth, Wake Up Bomb, Electrolyte, Leaving New York, and It Happened Today. Okay. So, what's a Frequency Kenneth? Yes. Great song. Hey, did you ever see where, um, 
Uh, do you remember on Letterman? Did you see it when Dan Rather was yeah. singing with Ari? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so then you go to um, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, which we both talk about is one of their better albums. And that is a, you know, we're not in the minority with that. REM fans love that album, but it didn't, it really didn't do anything commercially. And uh, it was kind of the beginning of the end for REM as far as mainstream success. They had Ebo the Letter that got a little play, Electrolyte got a little play, and that was pretty much it. And you know, this album, as we actually written on the road of the Monster Tour. So you said you were at that show in Memphis. I was too. And remember, they probably played five or six songs off of that album because they were writing it in the process and they were just testing them out. One of them's, and, one of them's on the album that we saw. And I remember um, some of those songs, like I, they played Undertow, I believe, at, at the Memphis show. Uh, some of them were recognizable to me. But with your picks, Electrolyte is a really, really good, just catchy REM tune. One that I easily could have put on there. Wake Up Bomb is a great rocker. Um, it's like they they were picking up with that one where they left off with uh, if you with, uh, If you'd have told me it was on Monster, I would have believed you. Yeah, it, it definitely it, it sounds like they were still in that vein, and who knows that may have been one if we if we knew actually what was going on, they may have written that one while they were still doing Monster. Does it just because they wrote, they wrote that album on the road doesn't mean they wrote every single song on the road on that tour. So that could have been a, a one that just didn't make Monster. I don't know. So what's weird as I go through my list, I think because we did have overlap and I was always going second. I, a couple of times I must have named like six tunes tunes because i only have three left that's fine but when i get done i'll read all of mine out yeah. again just so we can and, and you can do the same thing so on new adventures and high fives we were talking about that i've got two songs that come off of that and one is ebo the letter it's such a different song not just for them just for but for anybody and i say it's different for them but it, it's in a way it's like it's like in game they don't necessarily sound the same but it, it's kind of the same concept and though I'm not a Patti Smith fan, I love the way she sounds in this song. She adds a lot to it, yeah. Um, what is the lyric that I just love so much? Will you live to 83? Will you still remember me That when he does that? I, I love the way his voice sounds. Um, just an amazing song. And then another one, and we were sharing our list. The next song I have, we were sharing our list. You said that this was a very tough cut for you. And then... A co-worker of mine, I told him I was doing this, and he gave me his list. And his list was actually really, really good, too. And I, he saw this song on his that on my list, and he, said, he also said that was a very tough cut for him. So I thought that was kind of funny that it almost made three, three top 20s, and that's the song Leave. The build-up. It is incredible. That slow guitar picking that just seems to take forever and in a good way. And then when that siren kicks in, you would think it would annoy you. It doesn't. It's perfect. Uh, I love that song. I've always thought this would be a perfect opening song. The lights go down, the siren comes on, and you have red lights or blue lights like a fire truck or a police, you know, and you come right into it. You're right. That would be a good opener. The way it would be good, the way that would make a really good one is if you had just a, a curtain in the front and the whole stage is black and nobody can see them, and all of a sudden you hear that note, and then they just put the light 
on um, on Bucks where you can just see a silhouette, just his. And then when they start with the siren, the curtain drops. That would be cool. Well, and you got it. They were kind of ahead of the time on that because that's basically sampling. You know, yeah, and they're they're, right. they're throwing that throwing that in there. So yeah, that that one man that and departure. Um, that's a great one-two punch on that record. Yeah, Lee, departure is a good one. But you need to go look because they're releasing singles for the remaster. You know, and it's a deluxe edition, uh-huh. and one of them's an alternate version of Leave. That's one of the first songs they've released off of it. Oh, okay. I'll have to go listen. To what do you think of it? I'll, I want to hear your opinion first. Okay. And the last song was definitely my most out of left field because I just got done talking about how Reveal is their worst album to me. And I never liked that album. I always, I remember when Imitation of Life came out. I've told you this. We've talked about this before. That album comes out, or that song comes out. I'm so happy to go buy that CD. I bought it the day it was released because after after they put out Up and Around the Sun, it's wait. Did Reveal come out after Around the Sun? I, I'm I'm no. in the wilderness, man. <laughs> I can't either. Anyway, they had not put out a good record. That comes out. With the the single, uh, Imitation of Life, and I thought, man, they are back. Because Imitation of Life, that sounds like something that could be on one of the first four records. And I go and I get that, and I put it on, and it was one of the most disappointing album buys, uh, album purchases I've ever made in my life. It's not to say I haven't bought a worst album, because I have. But I don't think any album I've been as excited for and I put in the, the the finished product, and I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, around so when we started making our ranking REM albums that we did probably a couple years ago, I go back to reveal, and this I'm listening to all of them, giving them a fair shake again. And I guess me being an older person, you know, a good bit older than when that album came out, I heard I'll take the rain, and I just thought. It was so beautiful, and to this day, it's night swimming level beautiful to me. I love that song so much, and that's another one that I kept thinking as it got near the end. I'm like, is this really about to make my list, a song off of Reveal? And it did. I love that one. Interesting. I, You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I've never heard it. You need to listen to I'll, it. I'll, I'll, um, I'm going to do that when we get off here, because I... I, I I I am confident you will like the song. I really am. I'm confident. Well, th- I mean, this was hard. This was like legit hard. Um, I agree. <laughs> if I had to give a few that I was close with to, to putting on there, obviously leave. Uh, Ignore Land uh, was close to making it. Uh, Texarkana, uh, Me and Honey, Country Feedback. Uh, I love that cover song on um, Document Strange. Um, I love Exhuming McCarthy. I love World Leader Pretend. I love Camera. I guess those have been some of the ones that were kind of my honorable mentions. And I forget a lot of the ones that were so tough for me. I'm just going to look at this because I, I do remember there were some. You you, uh, you just mentioned, I think, one of them for my mind. I can't even think about it. But can you think what that was? But... 
if I go off of, um, I, I mean, I can start with, with Murmur. I can tell you one that was, a couple of them were tough for me were uh, Catapult and Moral Kiosk. Those were both very tough cuts for me. Um, I, I mentioned the ones off of, um, off of Life's Rich Pageant. I'll tell you one that was a very, that was a tough cut for me. It, it was an old cut of theirs. I can't remember which album it was a B-side for. I think it may have been Pat. It was either Fables or Padgett that it was a B-side. It didn't make the, the record. And then years later when they put out their best of, they had Bad Day. And I love that. Oh, it's a great it, song. That was a, that was a tough cut for me. Imitation of Life was a tough cut. You, uh, you mentioned, um, Exumi McCarthy. Also finest work song and Welcome to Occupation. And those those are just some of the the ones that stand out for me initially. And there were others that were difficult, but those were those are the first ones that really come to mind. And well, in Monster, I I only had Let Me In, but another great REM ballad is Strange Currencies. Yes, which also is known as Everybody Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> which you know, as much and I love Everybody Hurts. I really love that song, but you know, it didn't even get real strong consideration for my 20. And I love that I mean, song. I would go Strange Currencies over Everybody Hurts. But I love it. And that, that just shows you how many great songs they've had. I think I think the video ruined it for some people. I actually like the video. The hat he's wearing. Yeah, but I like the video. Yeah, but the hat is unforgivable. Yeah, it's, it's a bad hat, but it's it's <laughs> but it's good. It's it's good video. Which by the way, that's one we still got to do. Like we were going to we talked about doing a, a best videos because i think that's interesting i don't even know if i still have my list i came up with one all right so before we wrap up let me go through on mine and i'll just read them out in case i did leave something out i don't think i did and i'll name the album so starting with carnival sorts uh oh, well starting with album chronic town i have carnival sorts and then the best of collection eponymous i have gardening at night radio free europe off murmur i have perfect circle off Reckoning, Pretty Persuasion, Don't Go Back to Rockville, Off Fables of the Reconstruction, Driver 8, Life and How to Live It, Off Life Rich Pageant, Follow Me, Cuyahoga, The Flowers of Guatemala, Off Document, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and I Feel Fine, Green, You're the Everything, Out of Time, Half a World Away, Country Feedback, Automatic for the People, Night Swimming, Monster, Let Me In, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, Ebo the Letter, and Leaf. And then reveal, I'll take the ring. All right, let's see. I've got Driver 8 off Fables, Harbor, Co- Harbor Coat off of Reckoning, Time After Time off Reckoning, Don't Go Back to Rockville off Reckoning, South Central Rain off Reckoning, Begin to Begin off Life's Rich Pageant, as is Swan Swan H. Uh, End of the World We Know It off of Document. You Are the Everything off of Green, Turn You Inside Out off Green, Orange Crush off Green, Losing My Religion off Out of Time, Half the World Away off Out of Time, Night Swimming off Automatic for the People, Let Me In and What's the Frequency Kenneth off of Monster, Wake Up Bomb and Electrolyte off of New Adventures of Hi-Fi, Leaving New York's off one of the later albums, and It Happened Today is off, uh, what is the name of the final album? Uh, Collapse to Now. Yeah. So those are mine, and that was a very tough list to do. Like I said, said it to you when you sent it to me. I'll say it to you now. I like your list. That was fun. That was fun. You know, some pe- certain people are going to give you a hard time for having nothing off Dead Letter Office. Yeah, well, I 
And 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 those, by the way, those also there were a couple that were, in particular, tough cut off of Dead Letter Office. It was crazy. That was a tough one. And I'm like you. I didn't want to go covers, but Pale Blue Eyes, amazing. That's so I, I, Velvet Underground song. Yeah, yeah. So I could have, I could have taken something off Dead Letter Office, and it was considered. But um, you know, for the most part, I did go. I went, I went with originals, and I did go with albums for the most part. The of course, the caveat being that two album cuts actually came from. I like the version that was on a, a collection better. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Uh, it was hard, but it was fun. Um, I'm going to take a liberty here and select our playout song, but I think it's one you're going to like. Let's do a live version with Mr. Mike Mills singing of Don't Go Back to Rockville. What do you think? That works for me. All right, everybody. We'll be back with you sooner rather than later. Take care.
Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Daniel.